Can we give these guys a hand this morning? Thank you, team. You guys are exceptional. That is fantastic. Well, great to be here. And uh, we're going to have a great time. I tell you what, we already are having a great time. I'm having a great time, which is fantastic. Bob, of course, is not here. Neither is Craig Bob, uh, Pastor Bob, and uh, Craig Scott, who is the newly appointed missions director for our college. Uh, our colleges, uh, they're over in Cambodia and, and uh, Philippines at the moment, doing a bit of a recce. Uh, we're looking forward to our first Asia, Southeast Asia missions trip next year uh, with our college kids, which is really exciting. So Bob's not here. Nice to have Maggie here in his place. You're amazing. That is great. Um, next Sunday, I've got a real treat for you. Uh, we have Pastor Alex Sneary speaking next Sunday morning. Now, Alex Sneri was the general manager of World Vision uh, in, uh, in Mongolia. Uh, he was the international director for World Vision in Israel. Uh, and then he was the general manager for World Vision in New Zealand. He's got huge experience uh, in disaster relief, humanitarian work across the Middle East and Africa. Uh, he is a phenomenon. And he is now doing work in some of the darkest areas of South Auckland, uh, working with the kinds of... Uh, families and situations that most of us are really glad that we don't have to deal with. Uh, so Alex is going to be uh, here next Sunday morning, going to be uh, speaking, and I really know it's going to be a real blessing to you, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, just as we get into it today, just as I was praying earlier this morning, I really felt there were a couple of words for a couple of people, so I'm just going to take a moment and do that. Helen Smith, where's Helen? Stand up, Helen, just for a second. Just awesome. Helen, you know, in Psalm 63, David says, Lord, I have seen you in the sanctuary. And I felt the word for you this morning was, God is saying to you, Helen, I have seen you. And I believe God wants to say to you that there's something on your heart. And I believe God's saying, if you, not if, but ask God for that today, because I, there's a thing, I've never had this word for anyone before, but I feel like God's saying to you, whatever you ask for today, he's going to do for you in your life. So I believe you should take a moment. What's the one thing? What's the thing? God, what's the Because I believe God's going to answer that for you. Uh, also, David, David and Brittany, David's got a word for you. You want to stand up, David? Yeah. Um, Second Chronicles, I think it's Second Chronicles 9, uh, says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed that he might strengthen them. I see, I see this really clear picture of God is like storming around fiercely and he's looking for you because you're one of those guys. I believe God wants to say to you this morning, David, that as you keep your heart fully committed to him, there is more strength than you can ever use. There is more capacity than you can ever find. There is more power available than you will ever need. There is more wisdom for you in everything that God has called you to do. But it comes out of that place of being fully committed to him. So in the midst of, I mean, you, you are an incredibly successful young man. Uh, but, you know, there, there are going to be temptations coming. Temptations to get involved in this and that and the next thing. There's going to be all sorts of things going, but God is saying that I'm looking for you. Keep your heart fully committed and I will strengthen you, says the Lord. Awesome. God bless you, man. So good. Fantastic. I love that stuff. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to share a message this morning uh, that I've called Up the Garden Path. Up the Garden Path. And if you've got your notes there, you can follow along with some of the key scriptures and, uh, in the notes this morning. You know, there's a saying in New Zealand. Uh, that some of you will be aware of and some of you may not, which says, don't lead me down the garden path. And, and what, what that saying means is, don't be dishonest with me. Don't tell me lies. Don't let me believe something and walk off somewhere and wander down some way uh, because I want to know what is, what is honest and truthful. And the phrase, lead me down the garden path, 
has come to be associated with the idea of people not being honest, not being truthful, and allowing you to walk in a direction that is not right for your life. And I want to say that as Christians, we particularly must be careful not to lead people down the garden path. But I do believe we're meant to lead people up the garden path. I do a bit of running, and uh, one of the places where Liz and I run is around the Iraqi basin, and some of it's just a run by itself, some of it's part of a bigger run. But if you run clockwise around the Iraqi basin, you come to this beautiful part, you run across um, this big long footbridge, which is along the railway line, and then you're up through the bush, and then you're down and you're over this other little bridge. And then you come to this, just a short part of the track, but it's, it's essentially part of kind of two people's gardens that you run through. And, it's, and as you come up to it, you, you come up and it's just this like opening in the bush and there's these steps that you go up. And then you weave your way up through this kind of overgrown, beautiful uh, bush area on this beaten path. And then you come out at the top of the road and then you go back down into Iraqi Basin. And I love getting to that part of the journey, of the run. It's, it's cool, it's narrow, it's stunningly beautiful. It's usually filled with bird life. And there's these steps. And the steps are, are, for a runner, you've got to do some work on steps because they strengthen your legs, they strengthen your body, they give you more endurance. And so it's always a bit tough getting into that part of it. But I love that, that narrow garden path. And this idea of a narrow path is, uh, is a very much a biblical one. You know, we read that uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. But the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those that find it. And Jesus illustrates so clearly, I think, in this. That, you know, there are many destinations and many paths that we choose in our lives, right? We choose a particular career path or a relationship path. And and there are different pathways that we go on. But there is one pathway. There is one gate that we must all make a decision about. It's a life journey. And Jesus says, when it comes to that, he says, I am the gate. And this is the way that leads to life. And there are many, many other paths you can go on. Many of them are easy, not difficult. Many of them are broad, not narrow. But there's only one pathway that leads you to the life that you want. So funny, I was sharing this morning, and I, uh, back when I was a young adult and, and newly saved, uh, I played guitar and I sang and I used to write songs. And uh, one of the songs, like I haven't even thought of this song in, I don't know, like 30 years, popped back into my head this morning. And it's, it's essentially my testimony song. And, um, and in this song, it talks about this whole thing of uh, that God, you are the one who offers real life. I hear that's what you're known for. And it reminded me again that this narrow journey that I've been on the last, I don't know how many years, this narrow pathway that I've been trying to stay within, uh, this has been the thing that has brought me so much life. And I'm so glad that along the journey, someone helped me get onto that narrow path. You know, our mission in life, if we are a Christ follower, our mission in life is to lead people to that narrow gate. Our, Our mission in life is to help people get on to that narrow path. And in my dying day, I'll be grateful for that person who rang me up at three o'clock in the morning in this gas station where I was working and challenged me to take the step on to the narrow path. And that was where it all changed for me. 
Manukau Road, mobile gas station, about half past three in the morning at the end of that phone call, I was challenged to take that step. I, I heard the gospel. I, I, I knew about it. I had lots of problems and issues with the whole thing, but it came down to a step of faith. And it set me on a journey that I've been on for many, many years ever since, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that one phone call. I'm so grateful for that person who went to bed that night saying, God, if you want me to speak to Mike, wake me up in the middle of the night. He's, uh, he's working tonight at the gas station, and I'll call him if you wake me up. As it turned out, I wasn't at the gas station that night. I wasn't on duty that night. Uh, this person had got it completely wrong. Uh, but I was doing my good deed for the year, and the guy who was on had just had a baby, and he wasn't getting any sleep, and so I decided after my shift, I'd go home, get a couple hours sleep, and I'd go back in at 3 in the morning. I'd let him go sleep in his car, and I'd, and I'd do an extra shift for him for free. And as I walked in the door of the gas station, the phone rang. How grateful am I for that person who prayed that prayer, had the courage to have that conversation you know, several months ago, a young man asked to see me after church. And we sat in my office, and he shared how a friend of his had died in a car accident, left a wife and, and uh, young children. And uh, he sat there deeply, deeply upset, deeply disturbed by this. And this is what he said to me. He said, Mike, I never shared about Jesus with him. He said, I know a lot of people who don't know Jesus, and I have never said anything. And I need to know how to. You know, I pray that we will never come to that point. I mean, I, I was so encouraged at, at the heart in him to go, I have to know how to do this. But I pray for all of us. It doesn't take a tragedy to get us to that point. This is part of the call on our lives. That is why we are here. And there are certain things we've got to understand. We've got to understand that evangelism isn't the purview of the evangelists. If you read Ephesians, you'll find out that the evangelists are simply there to teach the rest of us how to go out there and do this. So we can't sit back anymore and go, oh, well, you know, reaching out to people, that's not our job. That's the job of the evangelists. Well, biblically, no, it's not. Actually, to do the work of the evangelist, that's all of our calling. That's all of our mission I remember in my first few weeks of being a senior pastor, many years ago now, and I was speaking, uh, preaching a message, and I came to the end of the message and realized, man, I need to do some sort of you know, challenge and call people uh, to make a commitment to Christ. And then to my horror, I mean, I'm a senior pastor of a church. To my horror, I realized I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what the gospel was succinctly and clearly. I didn't know how to do that. In my staff meeting with my staff that week, I asked my staff team, I said, how many of you here right now could in 60 seconds present a clear gospel message that if someone followed, they could come to faith in Christ? And none of my staff knew how to do that. And it was a huge wake-up call for me. So let me challenge you this morning. Could you, and I want you to just pause and think about it. Could you, if the person next to you turned to you and says, What's this whole thing about Jesus? What is this gospel thing? Could you right now in 60 seconds explain to them succinctly and clearly what that is and how to come to faith in Christ? Think about it for a moment. Because the truth is, is that we owe this to somebody else. You see, every one of us here 
who is a Christian, who came to faith in Christ, got here because somewhere, somewhere in our past, someone presented the gospel to us in a way that was, enabled us to go, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus right now. And I'm telling you, at some point in our lives, we have to be able to do that for somebody else. It is absolutely integral. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 2, Paul says, by this gospel you were saved. By this gospel you were saved. And it's an incredibly important part of who we are and what we're called to do. You know, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes we want signs and wonders and miracles. I wish we could see more signs and wonders in church. I wish we could see more miracles. Why don't we see more miracles? I tell you what, there is no greater sign out there than the person who says to another person, this is the way, you need Jesus. There is no greater wonder out there than the wonder of somebody who gets a revelation that God is real. There is no greater miracle that occurs than the miracle of when someone turns their life around and says, I choose Jesus and I choose him above everything else right now. If you're out there and you want signs, wonders and miracles, tell what God's given the power to us in the form of of the gospel. And that's not to say we don't want to see more of the Spirit of God moving and sovereignly doing amazing things, but I think we need to start here. What is this good news? What is this gospel message? It's very simple, and there are, there are multiple different ways you can do this. You know, some people use a method called the Roman road. Some people use a method called the bridge to life. Some people use a method called the four spiritual laws. I don't care what you use. The, the, the issue is not which one you use. The issue is having clarity on one of them. Been able to share it very clearly and succinctly with someone in a moment. Because I'm telling you, the day will come somewhere, sometime in your life, when someone's going to say to you, Oh, you're a Christian, what do you believe? Do not make the mistake of telling them about our Pentecostal theology. Do not make the mistake of telling them what you think our church believes in terms of doctrine. Don't waste an opportunity like that. If anyone ever says to you, What do you believe? Or what does your church believe? Or what does your domination believe? Tell them the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Not our church statement of beliefs, not our Pentecostal theology. All that stuff's great and important. But the day will come for all of us sometime when someone will ask you, what do you believe? And we must be ready. The message is essentially about four things. I just think of it in terms of four things. Number one, God and his love for us. Number two, our sin and how that keeps us distanced from God. Thirdly, Jesus' life, death for our sins and resurrection to eternal life. And fourthly, our decision that each of us must make at some point whether or not to put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. It's simple. It's a simple but incredibly powerful message which has changed my life, changed many of our lives here, right? And this is what I want us to understand. This is not complex. This is so simple. The gospel is so simple. It's, it's like you can learn it in like four scriptures and four statements. Honestly, it's harder to learn how to use your cell phone than it is to learn how to share the gospel. Like it's, it's, it's super simple. And sometimes in church, you know, because it makes us feel good if stuff's complex, you know. Like if we're leaders or <clears throat> pastors, sometimes it, it helps us feel important if things are complex. Like, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go trying to cast demons out of people. No, that's just for... Uh, us who have been trained. Rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. If, you, if you're a Christian, you've got faith in Christ, you've got the authority to kick a demon out of someone. We shouldn't be, pre, we shouldn't be doing communion. Rubbish. You should be doing all that stuff. It's all simple. 
we, we shouldn't be sharing the gospel. Rubbish. The gospel is simple. We can't possibly do evangelism. It's too hard and it's too scary. Rubbish. It's simple. Do you know why it's simple? Because God knew he was going to have to save the world through us. I'm a very simple man. And I thank God he's made it simple for people like me. And we're going to take a little bit of time this morning and look at it. But before we do, let me just jump into a couple of perspectives that we've got to get our heads around. A couple of God's perspectives. Number one, we love the 99, but God loves the one. It's really important we get our head around this. Luke 15, verses 4 and 7. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep. He's not talking to sheep farmers. He's using an analogy talking about people. Has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We love a crowd. We love a crowd, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to understand that, that in heaven, there is more excitement, there's more fist pumping going on over one person at the end of a service who makes a, makes a heart change. That over all of our worship and all of our good stuff and all of our serving, God is desperately, deeply invested in the one. And if that's you today, God is deeply and desperately invested in you. The second thought is this, is that we've got to realize that reaching people who don't know God is why we're still on the planet. You know, Rick Warren's perspective, I think, is very biblical, that there are five primary purposes for our life. We exist for worship, for fellowship, for ministry, worship, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and mission. Those are the five purposes. And there's only one of those you can't do in heaven. We can, we can worship in heaven. We can fellowship in heaven. We can minister to one another in heaven. We can continue to grow in the likeness of Christ in heaven. But there's one thing we can't do in heaven. We can't reach out to lost people in heaven. You know what? If it wasn't for mission, I can't see why God wouldn't just get us saved and whisk us up to heaven. What, what's... We're destined to be with him. We're born to, to be with him. But God leaves us here because there are people that need to find him. And our job is to help connect them to him. The third thought is this. People are more ready than we realize. John 4, 35 and 37. Do not say four months more until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And again, he's not talking about agriculture. He's talking about people. That's what he's talking about. You see, when we look at people, we see people who are not ready because, because we see the outside. We see their confidence or we see their preoccupation with other things or we see their hostility, whatever it is. But we forget that their internal world can be radically different to their external world as it is for us sometimes, right? We turn up to someone, we put our game face on, full of anxiety and concern, but on the outside we're confident making it happen. You know, I, many of you have heard that as I was growing up, I grew up in the Bay of Plenty and and we worked in the kiwi fruit industry. Uh, every holidays, we were picking kiwi fruit or packing kiwi fruit or pruning kiwi fruit or whatever. But the interesting thing I learned about kiwi fruit is you can't tell if a kiwi fruit is ripe to be picked by looking at the outside. You have to sugar test it on the inside. And let me say to you, you can't tell if a person is ready to come to Christ by looking at the outside. You've got to test what's on the inside, and only God can do that, so you've got to trust him with that. But the reality is, more people are more ready than most of us realize most of the time. And, 
And, and I, as we talk about the gospel this morning, as we talk about this thing of evangelism, which for many of us, if we've been saved more than a couple of years, is this big scary thing, right? Like we, we don't like evangelism. We don't know what it means. We think that it has something to do with standing on street corners and shouting at people. Or we think it has something to do with going door to door and interrupting people's day and trying to give them gospel tracts. We think that's what it's all about. But it's totally, totally not. That, that can be a part of it. And sometimes that is powerful. But I want us to get a, a fresh revelation of what this is this morning because God made it to be accessible for us. You see, evangelism is so simple. And I want you to remember this one thing. Evangelism is both a point and a process. Evangelism is both a point and a process. In the same way that growing crops is about, you know, you know when you go and sow your fields... It's about a point in time when you actually take a seed and put it in the ground, but it's also about a process of, of clearing the old ground, plowing the ground, watering it, adding fertilizer, then you put the seed in, and then after that you've got to weed the ground, you've got to keep watering, you've got to watch it, you've got to keep pests away. I mean, there's a process to this, a stepwise process to get a seed to harvest, but there's also a point where the seed must be sown. And evangelism is two things. It is most purely, it is the sowing of a seed. But it is also the process, the stepwise process that a person goes along on that journey. And our task involves helping people take their next step. Everybody say next step. And that's it. We mistakenly think that evangelism is about getting people to a point of, of, of praying the prayer. That's not. A farmer doesn't sow a seed and go, ah, oh, I've got to harvest this. I mean, how often do you sow a seed and harvest it in the same day? Never, ever, ever. There's always a process to get to that point. And some of us have been kind of duped into thinking that unless we talk with someone and get them to say then and there that it's not evangelism. It's rubbish. Evangelism is just sowing a seed or it is helping people on that journey. Weeding, watering, uh, working through with the ground, keeping them moving. It's just getting people on their next step. And I want to show you today something called the Ingalls Scale. Now, some of you will be familiar with this. Some of you won't be. It was created by a guy called James Engel, and it was described in his book, What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest. And he created this to help us understand the steps that a person takes on their journey to faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm hoping, have we got this on the PowerPoint or not? Can we throw the, oh, we do, awesome. Can you even see it? Oh, perfect. That is great. So, so we've got to realize that th this is the journey that people go on, and we all start at different places, but the point is this. Every person you know is somewhere on that journey. Every person you know is at one of those steps, and it starts, the, the most bottom step is someone who doesn't even know that there is a God. And for us, sometimes that, we can seem like oh, that, that doesn't actually exist, but actually it does. I've met people who, God, I don't even know what that means. But when someone journeys toward God, these are the steps they go on. It starts with someone who doesn't know there is a God. And then the next step is they come to a realization that maybe there is a God. That's a, it's a huge step. Then the next step is they become aware of Christianity, that there is this thing called the Christian faith, and maybe they become aware of churches or whatever else is. The next step is then they become interested in Christianity. Like, I'm intrigued about this whole thing. I want to find out a little bit more about it. And then somewhere in there, the next step is that they hear the gospel. The gospel seed is sown. It goes into their hearts. They hear the message, those four simple things. And they become aware for the first time that 
God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come down to earth, to die on a Roman cross for our sins that keep us separated from God, and then to be resurrected to eternal life, overcoming all power and authority, so that if we place our trust in him, we can have our sins forgiven because of what he did. We can let go of our guilt and shame, and we can find purpose for our life, experience God's love, and ultimately not only live a life of purpose, but go to live in heaven with God forever. And that message goes in their hearts. And that starts to go to work in them. The next step is, well, they feel positive towards Christianity now. You see, many of us heard the gospel, and it was sometimes weeks, months, years, decades before we actually took the step of putting our faith in Christ. They feel positive about Christianity. The next step is when someone then experiences Christian love. And now this, it's not just a positive feeling, but they're really impacted by the love that Christians have and the church has. Then the next step is, to do, is when people develop an awareness of personal need. The next step is when they become personally challenged. And that's exactly what happened to me in that gas station at 3 o'clock in the morning that day back in 1990 when someone rang me up and challenged me. And as a result, I got off the phone, I sat in a chair in the middle of the shop in this gas station, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I was saved. That was that step. And then, of course, there are further steps. It's ex- people then, the next step is then they explore the consequences of that decision. What have I done? And then they learn the basics of being a follower of Christ. And the next step is they start functioning in church and start serving. And then, and then ultimately, the next step is they start sharing faith as well. But here's what I want you to understand. That you don't have to take someone all the way to salvation. What you have to do with the person that you work with, the person that you sit next to on the bus, the person that you may be at school with or in that sports team with, you don't have to get them saved. You've just got to help them take their next step. Because if we can just keep people moving on their next steps, you know what? They'll get there. And so we might be maybe in a situation like, maybe we're down here somewhere. Let's just say this fine-looking young man here. This fine-looking man. So this young guy, he's, he, he, he knows that there's a God, but that's all he knows. And, and maybe I'll work with this young fellow. So, so what's my goal? My goal isn't necessarily to preach the gospel to him and get him saved. My goal is help him take his next step. Bro, why don't you come to church with me? Just check it out. Find out what, what it's like. And, and, uh, and just helping him take his next step. And maybe there's a fine young lady like this. Tashani, how are you? And maybe she's a little bit further on. Maybe she's actually been to church once somewhere, heard the gospel message, feeling positive about Christianity. Just not sure if it's for her. How do I help her take her next step? Maybe I need just to bless her somehow. Show some Christian love. Show that I really care about her and help her take her next step on towards an awareness of her personal need. Or maybe it's someone who's a little bit further down track. They've experienced that, that sense of Christian love and, and they're becoming aware that maybe, uh, maybe I need God. Maybe there's some issues in my life. And what, what does this person need? Maybe all I've got to do is just challenge them. You know, have you ever thought about actually putting your faith in God and just taking that step and trusting Him? Maybe I need to challenge them like that young lady did to me when she called me in that gas station. You see, if we can do that, then not only does it take all the fear and the drama out of this, but it enables us to work with every person that we're with in a simple yet profound way. This is the task before us, ladies and gentlemen. This is what evangelism looks like. It's about helping every person that we know, identifying roughly where they are in their journey. You don't have to memorize this. You've got a rough idea of what that looks like now. 
But where are they at? How do I just help them take their next step on a journey? Because it is a journey towards Christ. You know, we see this with Paul on the Damascus, Damascus Road. We see everything that was leading up to this point. God didn't just crash into his world right back at the start. He didn't get resurrected and then go and find Paul. No, Paul was on his own journey. And Paul had to go through a bunch of these. Now, yes, absolutely, God turned up and powerfully impacted his life. But this idea that Paul found God on a journey is very important because we all found God on a journey. And every person you know, if we can help them take their next steps, will find God on the journey. Now, of all of those steps, there are two steps that are really important, right? Because... If you're sowing a field, if you're trying to grow crops, you can water it, weed it, you can plow it, you can fertilize it, you can spray it for pests, you can do all that stuff, but you won't get a crop unless one thing happens, right? What's that one thing? You've got to sow a seed. And likewise, when you know people in your world and they're interested in Christianity and maybe they've been to church a couple of times and they're like, oh, I, just, I just don't really get it, then at some point, someone's got to sow that seed because that is a seed. And we need to know how to do that. And it's really simple. I'm going to go through it with you this morning. And then the second step is, is that at some point, we need to know how to actually lead them to that place of faith in Christ. And the beautiful thing is, again, it is so simple. You know, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says, because it's the power of God. It's the power of God for the salvation of everybody who believes so what I want us to do is I want us to, uh, we're going to take a few moments and go and look at these two steps. Now, please don't misunderstand me. All those other steps are really, really important. Uh, one of our ladies, I'm not sure if she's here today, she uh, first came to this church because she was one of our Elam Music Mums. She came on a Thursday, brought her, kid, her, her lovely young child to the program, had a lot of fun. But there was one of our volunteers who did all this work of just loving on her and and telling her stories about her own life and the things that God had done for her. And it brought her to the place where one day she said to her, I need what you have. Step by step by step, I need what you have. And so then she led her in a prayer, putting her faith in Jesus Christ. And now she's part of the family. And it's an awesome thing. So, so the journey is important. But in the same way that you know, you, you can, you can if, if we bring someone all the way through but then fail to get the gospel into them or bring them all the way but then fail to know how to lead them to Christ, it's as tragic as, as having a baby, bringing a baby to full term and then being unable to deliver it. So we need to do this. How do you show, how do you share that gospel? What does the gospel look like? Let me give you four things this morning. Really simple. They're in your notes. It'll take you like a couple of minutes to memorize them. And it goes like this. John 3.16, why do we use scripture? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says the word of God is living and active. There's something powerful in the word of God that bypasses defenses and gets inside a person's heart and mind. So, you know, I always try and share some scripture when I'm leading someone into this point. But the gospel seed, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And there's an explanatory statement that goes with that. Something like this, God loves you. And he wants you to know him and know his love and experience uh, his love and plan for your life. Okay, we're quarter of the way there. Well done, everybody. Uh, give yourselves a hand. Isn't that, isn't that great? Making great progress this morning. Very good. Everyone memorized that? John 3.16, one little sentence. Next one. 
Romans 3.23, all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've broken God's laws and you've fallen short of his standard. And, and, and your sin separates you from knowing him and experiencing his love and plan. Oh, that was awesome. We're halfway there now. Everyone still with me? Not too complex, is it? Third one is this. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus died on the cross in your place. Through trusting him, you can know God, be forgiven, and experience his love and plan for your life. And then the last one is this, John 1, 12. For all those who received him, to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you will place your trust in Jesus, if you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you will know his forgiveness, be able to experience his love and his plan for your life. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That's the gospel message. That is the message that changes people's lives. How do I know that? Because this particular vision is used by student life. Student life is, in my opinion, one of the most prolific soul-winning groups of people on the planet. Every single week in New Zealand, people give their lives to Jesus by praying through those four steps with somebody. That is the gospel message. I sat on a plane once with, a, with someone, I was, and, and you know, you're like, hello to the person next to you, and like, hello, and, and you know, you kind of hope maybe they'll leave you alone, or maybe not, and we got chatting, and, and this girl found out I was a Christian, and she said, what do you, so you're a Christian, so what do you guys believe? And it, it happened, I went, oh, do I tell her about, oh, we're an Elam church, and so we're a Pentecost, what that meant? I said, well, let me show you what we believe. And I got out a, a, one of the sick bags, and I had a pen, and I just drew these four little diagrams and went through exactly that with her. And I said, at the end, I said, would you, is there any reason why you wouldn't give your life to Christ right now? She said, uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to think about it a bit first. But she said, thank you for explaining it to me. She, said, she thanked me. Thank you, she says. I've never had anyone explain that to me like that before. Now, here's the beautiful thing. There's a seed in her heart now. A gospel seed of God's word, the message about Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is going to go to work on that, ladies and gentlemen. And here's the beautiful thing. I don't know where that girl is now, or what, but I know she's on that journey. And I know that somewhere along the line, someone else is going to come along, and they're going to take her that next step, and someone's going to show her some Christian love at some point. She's going to get invited to church, and then someone's going to challenge her, and she's going to get saved. But it ain't going to happen unless somebody shows a gospel seed. So the point will come in our lives when we have to do that. Let me go on to the next one then. If someone has had that gospel seed sown in their hearts, and now they go, you know what, I think I want to do this. I want to take this step. I want to put my faith in Christ. How do I do that? Here's the beautiful thing. You take the same four steps, and you put them into a prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you have a plan for my life, and you want me to know you. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, and I've fallen short of your glory, and that sin separates me from you. But I believe that Jesus came as the way, the truth, and the life. And that by putting my trust in what you did on the cross, Jesus, I can be forgiven. I can be restored to God. So God, I choose to receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for making me your child. From this moment on, I'm yours. That's it. That's how it happens. That's how it happens every week. Every Sunday across our campuses, people pray that prayer or a variation of that prayer and get transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Ladies and gentlemen, it's so simple. Let us not be concerned about the gospel for one more minute. Let us not be afraid of evangelism for one more day. All you've got to do is work out roughly where, what step the person you are talking to is at and find some simple way. 
of helping them take another step towards God. Amen. I got a phone call one day, just as we come to a close. I got a phone call from one day from a, a someone who uh, was uh, not, a, not, not a part of our church. But they called uh, the church and they said, we're Christians, we don't go to your church. Uh, she said, but my dad is in hospital and he's dying. He has end-stage heart failure. There's absolutely nothing they can do. And in two days, they're going to send him home to die. He said, he's a bitter, bitter man and he doesn't know Jesus. Would you go in and talk to him about Jesus? Of course, I wanted to say, no. No, that's terrifying. I don't know this guy. He's a bitter, grumpy guy. He's about to die. You want me? You go and that's what I wanted to say. Of course, I didn't. Good Christian boy. I said, no trouble at all, man. I would love to do that. What water's he in? So I went in the next day and uh, I just got chatting with him. Asked him about his life. Man, he was angry. Felt he'd been shortchanged. Couldn't believe he was at this place. I said, do you know the message about Jesus he said uh, not really I said, can I just tell you he goes alright if you have to I shared the message this the gospel just exactly like that shared the gospel with him. I said and I said to him, I challenged him because time was short right I had to skip a couple of steps I said have you made your peace with God and he started to weep and he said no I haven't he said I said sir can I pray with you to do that and he said please there in that hospital room with this guy I've known for 20 minutes, I led him in a prayer of salvation. And it only happened because I was ready. I knew what the gospel was. I knew how to use it to lead someone to Christ. And I want you to know as well. Can I challenge you to take those notes away and at some point in the next few weeks, just take a moment, next few days, and just memorize those four steps, write them down, Put them in a card, put them in your wallet, put it in your glove box, write it on your mirror and lipstick, whatever you do. But make sure that from this point on, you know how to do that. You know what the gospel is. You know how to help people take that step. You know, at the end of every service here, almost every service, not every service, almost every service, I share the gospel. And there are three things that I'm doing when I'm sharing the gospel. The first thing I'm doing is I'm sowing a seed. Sometimes no one puts their hands up. And that doesn't bother me because there are some people who aren't at that step, right? But I'm sowing the gospel seed and that's part of what I'm doing. The second thing that I'm doing is for some people, it's harvest time. And I'm challenging them and then leading them in a prayer of salvation. And so if there are some hands that go up and people do that is awesome. But there's a third thing that I'm doing. Because hopefully if you've been around here a while, you realize that I, I kind of do it almost exactly the same every Sunday. And I do that for you. So that every Sunday, hopefully, you're starting to learn the gospel. You're learning the simple message, the four scriptures, the four steps, so that hopefully one day, when someone calls on you to do the same, you can be that person for them. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, Maybe you've got invited to church and you're on this journey and you're here because you're interested in, in the things of God, but you're not quite sure if you're ready for it. Let me share with you the message of the gospel. This is the message. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him, you, me, anyone, doesn't matter how bad a sinner you are, whoever believes in him 
will not perish but have eternal life. You know, God loves you and he wants you to know him and experience him and his love and his plan for your life. But the problem is, as it says in Romans chapter 3, it says, you know, but all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard, the glory of God. And you know what? It's that rejection of God that keeps us separated from God and we can't know him and we can't experience his love. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ came, died on a cross to pay for your sin. That through faith in him, you can be forgiven. You can be restored to God and you can know God. And the Bible then says, for all those who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this morning, will you receive him? You receive him as your Lord and your Savior. Put your faith and trust in him because if you will, he will make you his child and you will know him. And I tell you, if that's you, you've got so much to look forward to. So I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes and bow their head just for a moment. And if that's you this morning, if you're sitting there and your heart is beating in your chest, if you've, if you've never put your faith in Christ or you have in the past, and you just kind of know you've drifted, you, it's time to recommit to him, then I'm, you know who I'm talking to this morning. And if that's you, I'd just so count it a privilege to lead you in this simple prayer. And as I pray, why don't you just pray this afternoon in your heart? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. That I've fallen short, God, of your standards in my life. But I believe that Jesus came for me. He died on that cross for my sins. And that through putting my faith in you, Jesus, I can be forgiven. And I can know God, experience his love. So right here and now, Jesus, I receive you as my God and as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Help me to know God. Help me to experience his love and purpose in my life. Thank you, Lord, for making me yours right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed and heads bowed just for a moment. Now, for some of you, we're just so deceived. For some of you, you prayed that with me. And if that's you this morning, you prayed that prayer. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something by faith and brave. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up so I can see it. Pull it back down again because I want to pray for you. I want to, I'm not going to embarrass you or pull you out, but I do want to pray for you. Ask God's blessing and power in your life. And I, I really love to know who I'm praying for this morning. So if that's you, if you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer with me, you took a step this morning, powerful step. Then right now, would you just lift your hand up? Give me a wave right now. Pull it up, lift it up, and pull it back down so I know who I'm praying for this morning. Is anyone here this morning who prayed that, who took that step, put their faith in Christ the first time, maybe for the, for a, coming back to God? Anyone here? Okay, that's awesome. All right, I'm not seeing any hands. But I know there's a seed being sown into people's hearts today, and I don't know, maybe you did pray that prayer, and you're just a little unsure of putting your hand up. Well, let me pray anyway. God, I thank you, Lord, for every person that is here. I thank you, God, for the simple power of the gospel message. God, I thank you that evangelism is a beautiful and easy thing that we are all engaged in every day. And I thank you for every person here, God, in some way, that in some way recommitted themselves or committed themselves to Christ. Lord, I ask your blessing and favor upon them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So good. Well, I hope you learned something this morning. I hope we've taken some of the fear away, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen in your life this week. And the people that you are around, 
and look at people differently and realize you've just got to help them on their next step. Amen? Amen. So good.